Imagine actually having a team of Gals and Meet Russo and Black Sunnies together. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I suppose 90 second minute. I've never scored a 90 second minute winner. I don't know what it feels like. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off the Ball with Gilles. We don't just play the game, we change it. Gilles, made of what matters. This is News Talk. until 10pm tonight. A busy old show on the way. We'll look ahead to the start of the Women's Six Nations. With the Six Nations show, we're going to be joined by Fiona Hayes and indeed the recently retired Ireland captain, Kira Griffin, to get their insights on what the tournament will have in store for Ireland, who are the potential winners and indeed who are the players to look out for from all six corners this coming weekend. I will zero in on Saturday's Friendly with Belgium. We'll be talking to Dion Fanning on the football show to look ahead specifically to the game. We'll also get the views of John Giles as ever it being a Thursday that's coming up just after half past seven and also on tonight's football show we'll have Rory Higgins the Derry City manager on the line to talk about their fine start to the season their expectations for the rest of it and indeed his insight from working alongside one Stephen Kenny and get in contact with us tonight by tweeting us at off the ball you can give us a text 53106 as well for 30 cent I'm delighted to say joining us in the studio for the news round is Colin Milani Cole you're welcome Hey Richie how are you It's weird to be in a studio with like somebody else yeah. it's kind of it's I'm still nice. getting used to these things and walking around without a mask in, in the office it's, it's wild stuff yeah. wild stuff altogether and keeping his distance at arm's length at home in his newly appointed fancy studio as well we should mention there is one and only Joe Malloy Joe good evening to you Richard hello This the sound quality from there and the rich baritone coming from that microphone Joe is just it's impressive it's impressive Be, feast on it Richie turn up that volume in your ears oh that's good there's a, there's a rich tone to that that like Jeff Emmerich the Beatles engineer would be like pining for stuff like that. pining for stuff like that that's just that's magnificent I, I see the Golf Weekly money is being well spent anyway oh well indeed Golf Weekly you know that's the, the kids through college that's the thing they say about decent sides Joe they take the money they have earned and they reinvest it in the product and it's nice to see that you're doing that that like where do you even go shopping for that Egg Cartney stuff you've got behind you uh, Amazon do you really okay fair enough yeah. Yeah. relatively cheap as well and has done wonders for the old Echo in here Echo, 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 echo. echo. It, it, it's, yeah. it's paying off, Joe. It's paying off. Speaking of Golf Weekly, I was keeping tabs on uh, Seamus Power's progress last night. We've talked oh, yeah. kind of in fits and starts about Seamus Power on the show and how he's possibly Ireland's most underrated sports star. And this week he's looking to hang on to his uh, top 50 placing in the world. And he's going great guns about doing that because he beat uh, Sung JM last night pretty handily, uh, five and four. He's at the moment leading uh, he's two up on the world number four Patrick Cantlay at the WGC match play and it's not looking as if he might take hold his top 50 place we're talking about we're going to see Seamus Bauer playing his first Masters in a couple of weeks time um, but it, it's going to be one of these Masters in flux because the cloud of Saudi is still hanging over all of this so while we are going to see someone like Seamus Bauer uh, Big Phil is not going to be in the mix that news broke earlier on the week that he's not no longer in the field for mm. Augusta 2022 uh, which will be like he's like he's, he's he's part of the fixtures and fittings there at this stage so to not have him there and to have that cloud hanging over things is going to be interesting first time in 28 years now Phil My at Augusta God. isn't that extraordinary 28 years and he's a three time winner so obviously I'm sure up until a few weeks back his every intention was that he would be there for the next 28 as well because the champions obviously are more than uh, welcomed back each and every year. So no fill is the word. 
it's interesting. Nobody is quite sure if this is a suspension or not because the PGA Tour, and I know the Masters is separate in a sense to the PGA Tour, yeah. but the PGA Tour never announced if anybody is suspended or not. Dustin Johnson, a number of years ago, was suspended, but it wasn't revealed at the time, but only emerged subsequently. So nobody quite knows at the moment if Phil is suspended or if, as he said in a statement, he's taking some time away from the game. Now, I find it hard to believe that Phil Mickelson would pass up one of his last one, two, three tops remaining chances of being very competitive at Augusta. I find that very hard to imagine. Some have said, well, he doesn't want the whole week to be about him and dominate the press conferences and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I think Phil could live with that. I don't think he'd... He's not somebody who shies away from the spotlight anyway. No, no. I don't think he's so reverential about Augusta that he would feel, you know, it's unbecoming for the tournament week to be dominated by me. So I'm increasingly starting to wonder if the PGA Tour have suspended him and if maybe the powers that be at Augusta followed suit and just let it be known to Phil that maybe this year wouldn't be the worst year for you to pause and take some time out. The other um, possibility, of course, is that the uh, Live Golf people, this is Greg Norman and the Saudis, they launched a, a summer series last week, so eight tournaments, each one with $20 million on offer. And this is really interesting because what, what they have done is sent out 250 invites to all of the world's best players. So Even the ones that have let, said no? Yeah, letter in the door. These are our eight events. We would love to have you there. Each one, $20 million on offer, only a 54-hole event. Uh, three of them go up against directly PGA Tour events. Some of them don't. None of them against majors. So there is the distinct possibility that at the first one in June in London, Phil Mickelson may be there waving the flag as the big star. And maybe this is known within the game and therefore they certainly don't want him at the Masters or at any PGA Tour event. Phil hasn't really commented on anything since he had his statement after the quote-unquote off-the-record comments went viral. So we don't really know what Phil's doing. In his statement, he said, look, I'm going to take some time away. The stresses are getting to me. I've let some people down here. But behind the scenes, is he genuinely taking some time away and reflecting? Or is he suspended? Or is he very much acting in the knowledge that he'll be pitching up at these eight Saudi-funded events from June? None of us quite know the answer. Uh, We certainly know that he won't be at Augusta. Uh, The only current question mark everyone's wondering is, will Tiger? Will Tiger be at Augusta? Because they haven't ruled it out yet, officially, anyway. Come on now. Surely that's not going to happen. Well, you would think it would be all kinds of wrong for Tiger to turn up and play this course of all courses. But, I'm just, uh, he, he hasn't appeared on the list of, they have a list yeah. where Phil appeared, a former champions not okay. appearing. The thing about Augusta, I don't know if you know this, Rich, it's a very hilly course. It's uh, mm. more hilly than it looks on the TV. I don't Certainly, know if you've ever yeah, yeah, I've seen that on heard TV. that before. Yeah. So what Tiger himself says is that hitting golf balls isn't really the issue. The issue for him is actually walking and walking four days straight at that. So of all the courses you could imagine him pitching up at. Augusta, I suspect, would have his knee surgeon's head in his hands the most. And therefore, people have said, well, maybe St. Andrews, the 150th anniversary of the first British Open at St. Andrews, not such a demanding walk. That would be the more likely candidate. But look, who knows? I mean, you kind of give up writing the man off or saying it's impossible because he's proven us wrong a gazillion times over the last 20 years. But they are the, put it this way, Peter Laurie, and this is classic Peter Laurie, by the way. This is classic Peter Laurie. Go on. Talk about, talk about burying the lead. We've talked for like an hour and 15 minutes on Golf Weekly. I literally say, 
to Fionn and Peter to say, by the way, any other business? And Peter's like, I've heard from a few people Tiger might be going at Augusta. Like, what? <laughs> who are these people? <laughs> why, why would you not mention this in the first minute? So I, I don't know who these people are. He wouldn't reveal his sources, but I suspect he has some contacts in the world of golf. So uh, look, there's a brewing sense. Could he? He might. Yeah. He can rule himself out. Why, why wouldn't he just rule himself out? I have this wonderful image of Tiger Woods almost in a kind of uh, tip to James Brown like hobbling towards the first tee at Augusta with like his minder beside him with like a towel around his neck just say Tiger don't you can't do this you can't do this and Tiger is like shouting I can't go on I can't go on (laughs) and then he gets to the first tee and he hears that roar he shrugs off everything and all of a sudden it's imbued with the, the love of the crowd and the sense of occasion he's fine it's a miracle he can walk again he can do it and drives 300 yards off the first tee and and everything's hunky-dory. That's, no. that, that sense of show, I think, is within Tiger. And I think something Don't like that could me. probably happen. Don't tease me. See, at the Father and Son, which is the only event he played just before Christmas, mm. they were allowed to drive carts around. So all he had to do was hit Huge shots. difference, yeah. So that was, that was no mm. test. Do you know why Peter Laurie did do that, Joe? Go on. He's a man conscious of runtime. So if he hadn't mentioned that at the top of the show, that Aaron 15 would have turned into an epic. He would have been talking Ben-Hur type of levels of production there. Look, the man respects a running order. I applaud that. <laughs> Uh, so does Colin Milani and the uh, Gillette you know, the news round is brought to you thanks to Gillette for an effortless, fin- effortless finish uh, to your day as we mentioned we're going to be talking to Fiona Hayes and Kira Griffin about this but the uh, the first team of the, the Greg McWilliams era is with us Colin ahead of the Six Nations yeah certainly is Aveen Riley will make her Ireland debut in Saturday's opening Six Nations game against Wales at the RDS Riley has been named to start at scrum half while forwards Christy Haney and Anna McGann are set for first test caps off the bench Nicola Friday will captain the side from the second row in what is Ireland's first match under new head coach Greg Williams, as you say, but winger uh, Bavin Parsons only makes the bench for the game. Dorothy Walt returns from injury to take her place in the back row and she says the atmosphere in the squad is good ahead of the tournament. I think we're trying to get the best out of ourselves. Um, It's a very positive team environment at the moment. We're ticking our boxes. There's a great sense of camaraderie. I'm really enjoying myself. I think the whole team is and it feels like a new chapter for women's rugby. And I think the other thing is, like, we have absolutely nothing to lose. And that's really dangerous in a team, if you ask me. Joe, we recorded the uh, the Six Nations show a little bit earlier on um, without wanting to give away too many spoilers uh, and peeks behind the curtain with Kira Griffin. Um, and we were just kind of talking about, and Fiona Hayes, sorry, we should mention as well, but we're just, everything seems to be a little bit more settled. And I don't, I don't know if that's a case of the report being out of the way and this being a clean slate and there being a new head coach and Greg McWilliams kind of knows the territory. He's been around the, the, the squad before and he knows how to bring the best out of them. But there seems less of a sense of, you know, worrying about what's next and more of a sense of calm going into this Six Nations than we've probably seen from an Ireland team in the last two, three years or so. I know you're going to be involved in Saturday's game, but that's the sense that I guess I get from the outside looking in. Yeah, me too. I don't think we've had the full picture last year behind the scenes. I think it's notable even that Dorothy Walls made a point of saying we're happy squad this year. I'm not sure what was going on last year, but the performances dipped so much just have a suspicion all was not well for a variety of reasons and I think Greg McWilliams coming in new coach new voice even things like telling you know somebody like Lucy Mulhall and, and various other sevens players if you want to be a part of this squad then you need to go and play AIL so for instance last year because of COVID as well we must stress so I think I think Adam Griggs the former coach was very unlucky and I think he had sevens players being swapped in last minute and it was probably a difficult time for 
anyone to be head coach in fairness to Adam Griggs. But McWilliams has come in and he's sent a memo to all AIL players to say, I'm watching you. He has uh, looked at women's rugby across the board and decided that one of the areas Ireland need to improve massively on is ball and play time. He wants to get up to as much as 35, 36 minutes uh, per game. And the likes of Lucy Mulhall and others have played AIL matches. And that's very important because sevens is not 15s. And, you know, you look at Dorothy Wall there, for instance, and she is Players Player of the Year from last year and Young Player of the Year from last year, 21 years of age from Tipperary. She only made her debut for her club recently, this year, Blackrock College. Now, that's because she went in through sevens and then got drafted into 15s, but like has not played enough 15s rugby. And decision-making comes into it. And she's, an, she's astonishingly good and one of our best players going forward, hopefully. So uh, I think uh, McWilliams getting the sevens players to go off and play AIL, I think uh, more games for all the players means they arrive into this tournament uh, feeling much better about their own individual form. And they feel like in McWilliams, they have a coach who has got a real track record, part of the coaching ticket in 13 when they won the Grand Slam and World Cup semi-final. And they've been in camp the last number of weeks and... That seems to have gone very well. Uh, plus the enthusiasm, I suspect, which surrounds the game. You know, the first time a proper title sponsor in a you know, heavyweight company like TikTok. Their own standalone window. They should get very good TV figures. It's free on terrestrial television. They're going to play this game at the RDS. They'll play against Italy in Musgrave Park. They'll play against the Scots up in Belfast at Kingspan. And so you know, the home games around the country and, and hopefully capturing the ma- imagination. So I, I do agree with you. Just all the mood music, everything around it is, is much, much better. And let's see what happens, because the interesting thing with Wales is they now have handed out 12 full-time contracts over the last year and, and 15 part-time ones. Ireland beat Wales 45-0 away last year. So let's see to what extent those full-time contracts in Wales have closed the gap. So it's a you know, lot of ingredients here which make... Saturday very very interesting and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it you know yeah should be good um, that coming up by the way just after 8 o'clock Fiona Hayes and Kira Griffin but a surprising addition I guess to the, to the Republic of Ireland squad today yeah, that's right Richie uh, goalkeeper Max O'Leary has been called in to the squad the Bristol City shot star replaces Gavin Bazuna who's been ruled out due to illness Ireland of course continuing their preparations for the friendly with Belgium on Saturday and speaking today defender Shane Duffy says Ireland are well stocked in the goalkeeping department even the two lads come in now, they've got a chance and everyone needs a bit of luck and, and that's what they've got, so they're in the squad and, and we trust them as well. But I said Queeves in a in a good position now where he needed a bit of luck. Gavin's performed unbelievable for us and uh, he's gonna be a miss. But um as I said the football it's uh, it's about taking their chances now and, and Queeve will come in and, and hopefully uh, and does what he does for Liverpool really. So um as I said we're a bit lucky in that position. Yeah, Joe, we'll be looking ahead to this one with Dion Fanning on the football show, obviously with John Giles as well after half past seven. But, you know, the, the closer we get to this game, there's a lot of players falling away. I mean, we're not even factoring in the fact that the likes of Adam Ida and Andrew Amabamadeli weren't in contention because they're long-term injuries or longer-term injuries than we would like them to be at the moment. Uh, we talk about Belgium missing players who were more, more than 50 caps going into this match. We're missing a fair few players ourselves. I don't know how you're feeling about this one on Saturday. Yeah, do you know... <laughs> Certainly there were periods last year where the friendlies were taking on undue importance because of the precarious position Stephen Kenny was increasingly finding himself in. Mm. We were building up to friendlies saying, does Stephen Kenny need to win this friendly? I, I, I feel like they're now back to being just friendlies. And so once Ireland aren't at the hands of a, a pumping and do okay, 
I don't think we're going to be sitting here on Sunday going, well, look, we lost 2-3-1 to Belgium, or, you know, Belgium, one of the best sides in the world, even if they were missing some of their players. It's not good. I just think, I don't know about you, that's how I, I see it as back being sort of a friendly again, as opposed to like another referendum on Stephen Kenny, where we all have to spend 24 hours talking about whether or not he's the right man for the job. Yeah, it almost feels like a shot to nothing, call this one on, yeah. on, on Saturday. It's, it's kind of like, if we have a good performance, brilliant. If we lose, what of it? They're the number one team in the world and they've got depths that we can't even imaginably have at the moment so I guess just the, the, the Lithuania thing is probably the, the referendum one if there is one to see how we yeah, can I would agree it definitely is a shot to nothing um, big crowd expected as well I think the ticket yeah. sales are going really well so obviously people are getting behind Stephen Kenny and the team um, given the, the contract situation and everything it probably is a shot to nothing probably just a chance to get game time into fellas uh, against a big team at home in front of a full Aviva stadium experience for a lot of guys again and I suppose to build on the general air of optimism that there has been over the last couple of months if we could pull some sort of a result or at least a decent performance as Joe says that'd be another step in the right direction you would feel yeah fingers and crossed I think, I, think, I think as well Carl you know for so many of the other friendlies it was like well, what formation are we playing what's our identity what you know who plays where well, I, I feel like we've figured out a lot of that stuff or Kenny's figured out a lot of that stuff we, we know the shape of the team now we've settled and all that stuff so again that you know the, the 48 hours of non-stop analysis is kind of less essential although tune into off the ball from o'clock <laughs> on uh, Sunday yeah uh, <laughs> full six hours of a show I believe on Sunday yeah. of, 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 of picking through the bones uh, it's a case I guess of what might have been for Ireland this is the this is where we have to look on NBC now for the next three hours because there are World Cup playoffs we're at the business end now called ahead of the draw next week yeah certainly are some interesting games uh, coming up tonight for the game uh, teams in the World Cup uh, playoff semi-finals Wales chief among them they uh, have the chance to take another step towards the first tournament since uh, 1958 this evening they take on Austria in their playoff semi-final that game taking place at the Cardiff City Stadium this evening from 7.45 and Gareth Bale speaking ahead of that match has said that there will of course be nerves in the Welsh dressing room No I'm very excited for the game obviously uh, come come kick off, of course, there's going to be a little bit of nerves. It, it means so much to us to to play for Wales for one. And yeah, such a big game it would be. If you didn't have nerves, then yeah, you probably shouldn't even be playing. So um, no, there's going to be nerves for, in everybody for sure. And uh, it's just about how you manage them nerves and, and turn them into positives. And um, yeah, I'm, I've got enough experience to know how to do that. So yeah, just excited now for the game to, to get underway. And um hopefully put in a good performance and, and get a good result. Tricky one for Portugal tonight, Carl. Yeah, they take on Turkey, Italy against North Macedonia and Sweden against the Czech Republic. The The winners of that one will uh, win the right to face Poland. All of the games this evening underway from 7.45. And as we mentioned, Seamus Power doing pretty well over in uh, Austin, Texas. Yeah, and he's uh, he's done really, really well in the last few minutes because he's gone three up now through ten holes. That's against the world number four, Patrick Cantley. Uh, Power, of course, winning his first match yesterday. So on course there to reach the knockout phase and that should and will secure his place in the Masters, you would think, uh, at the end of this month. Needs to be in the top 50. He's currently 48th uh, in the world. Shane Lowry is also out on course. He's won up through five holes against Eric Van Roy and that's in their group match. Lowry lost his first game yesterday. On the LPGA Tour, things going well for Leona Maguire. She's four under par. That's through 15 holes of her opening round at the JTBC Classic that is in California Maud Amy LeBlanc is the leader there she's on 6 under par at through 13 and Graham McDowell is currently out on course as well at the Corrales Championship he is 3 under par through 12 holes uh, the leader there Ben Martin on 6 under par Joe quickly this would be quite something for Seamus Power if he pulls off this victory this evening amazing amazing uh, this time last year he was 
somewhere between three and 400 in the world. So what he's done over the last 12 months is, is really extraordinary. He's now very comfortable on the PGA Tour. He has been a threat at a number of events and to see him at the Masters would just be uh, fantastic for him. And, you know, slowly but surely, I think the, the wider sporting public are kind of catching up on what he's doing. Mm. Joe, thanks a million for joining us this evening. All right, fellas, see ya. That rich tone has been uh, uh, gratefully received and Colin as well. Yours hasn't been uh, gone without notice either. Thank you, Rich. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. We don't just play the game, we change it. Gillette, made of what matters.